As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com to learn more now. I am Lindsey Green, and I'm the dining and restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. So my husband and I, we went out for brunch one day. And our server was so friendly and warm. And as we were talking, uh, our waiter talked about how he was preparing to go into software engineering. And that kind of just raised this, this light bulb in my head of like, wow, that's, you know, that seems like an entirely new space. It seems so vastly different from, you know, being in the service industry. As I was exploring and really looking into it, I was seeing that that he was, you know, he was not a one-off. Eating out has looked drastically different these last few years, especially for those running restaurants amid COVID-19. And as dining critic Lindsey Green has learned, it's led to workers like her server that day changing their careers entirely and moving out of the restaurant industry what they were doing was really reevaluating their lives and seeing what space would provide longevity for them. And that, that took them to some really cool spaces. Now that I'm transitioning into the beauty industry, I find myself teaching my peers around me mm-hmm. things that I know. I never thought I'd really end up liking being in the auto industry as much as I do. On this episode, we discuss the surprising places these workers are going, what it's been like, and what the great resignation means for workers who stay behind with a bit of leverage. You know, everyone has seen the sign in the street, the help wanted sign. They're becoming just desperate for, um, you know, to fill these positions. I'm Carrie Jr. the second, and this is On the Line. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for taking the time. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the what you've been reporting on. Yeah, so I've been looking at the Great Resignation, but I'm focusing specifically on the the restaurant industry and kind of just food service workers and how it's impacted them. And so, what I've been finding is that in in other industries, some people would call it like the the Great Upgrade, and it basically is just they're looking for better opportunities in terms of pay, in terms of scheduling, in terms of you know, just work-life balance. And that's really what they're looking for. But maybe they're staying within their spaces. For the food industry, it's kind of hard to find better opportunity, specifically as a front-of-house worker, when you're kind of, you know, working within the same framework. So that's bartenders, servers, and folks who are working in the restaurant space. And so what I'm finding is that a lot of folks who are saying, hey, I'm looking to upgrade my life or I'm looking to do something different, it's completely abandoning the food industry and hospitality altogether. Um, Any sense how many workers have left over this period? Is there a number that we can use to really gauge it? Yeah, so we're seeing really high numbers. So as of February, 143,000 Michiganders left their jobs, and that's across all industries. But what we found was that the, the accommodation and food service industry had the highest amount of quits of all industries across the country. The numbers are really, really high. 
How are you? I'm Lindsay. Lindsay, you spoke to a few people about their experience. Can you tell me about what this period has been like for them? Will you just say your name again? Uh, Tony. Tony Ruacho, is that how you say the last? Raucho. Like Raucho with no G. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, Tony Raucho, he is one of the people that I spoke with for this piece. He's from Highland Park, lived in Hamtramck, and worked all over Detroit. He is a longtime service worker. He's done bartending predominantly, but he's also done serving. You know, he's worked weddings. He's done all of it. At the start of the pandemic, it just, all of it stopped. It took a really long time for him to, to get the unemployment benefits. Um, and so he was one of those folks who was left just kind of twiddling his thumbs and trying to figure out what to do next. Realized he didn't want to work for someone else anymore. You know, initially he actually talked about um, he did consider opening his own bar. So when they went out to Marcellus, which, you know, the intention was to go back to the city that his, his wife was from, um, they were looking at a space that they were considering for a bar. We were planning on moving, but I was going to stay in the bar world. I had right. stuff lined up to transition. I was going to keep my little apartment in Hamtramck, move to my house over here, work all these gigs as a private bartender, mm. uh, doing you know, just weddings and all that stuff, not right. having to work in a bar, yeah. maybe a moonlight here and there. That all went away when the pandemic hit. So it was like, well, we wrote it out for a while. I watched everybody else whining and crying about everything and how terrible everything's gonna be. And he realized, no, my days in the bar industry are over. My days are done. You know, for him, what was what was interesting was that the bar industry just had changed. You know, he had been in the industry for at least 15 years, probably more, many more. It just wasn't that cool anymore. He really just was breaking his back. He had no insurance. Um, it, it, a pandemic happens and he's out of a job. And so he looked around and realized he just wanted to work for himself. And as soon as it turned out that this building came up for sale, we took everything we had and was like, let's just do it. So his wife um, had experience in the art world. She worked at the Met in New York and she was at the DIA in Detroit and um, had some, you know, had some really interesting experience and passion in that in that space. She is from Marcellus, but south of Kalamazoo, so um, about two and a half hours outside of Detroit. Um, and so they went back to her hometown and they fell in love with this building. This is the old hardware store on top very first building built on this side of the street. From what Tony tells me, it's the oldest building in the city of Marcellus. Right, right. And you said 1800s, right? 1870 was the, the year this building was built. And it had sat uh, vacant for, I think it was four years um, before they came in. And they decided to transform the space into an art gallery. And they're trying to do some really cool things on top of it just being an art gallery. Their intention is to also become this sort of um, job training space that gives these blue collar workers uh, the resources that they need to, to modernize a bit, which is really great. So, you know, they have high speed internet, which a lot of the town does not have. Uh, they're still, from what Tony tells me, they're still using dial up. Um, yeah, so it, it took him not just into another industry, but it took him outside of the city, just a totally new city and a totally new, um, you know, pace and a, and, a, and a speed of life that just was not what he had been used to after juggling 
multiple jobs in the food industry for for many 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 years um so outside of tony uh just what other things have you heard from other folks who've been in different industries you tell me a little bit about them where they've gone and what it's been like I talked to Shayna Shar-Smith. She was a server, bartender, worked um, special events as well. And she found herself in the auto industry. During the pandemic, she joined another really high population of people who got divorced. And she found herself a single mom with two kids. At that point, you know, I was a single mom. So I had to, I had to do something. Right. So it sounds like you sort of left the food industry out of necessity because of the layoffs and things like that, um, and not necessarily by choice. If if the food industry was a little bit more stable and just well, the thing was I debated. So when I was when I was offered the salary position, I was getting to where I didn't like doing it anymore. And so she was looking for something that would allow her to, you know, feed her kids at night and have dinner with them. She works at Ford and she, you know, now has the opportunity for uh, overtime and benefits and time to spend with her kids. And so um, Ford has given her the opportunity to, you know, maintain a lifestyle that the food industry wouldn't otherwise allow. For now, I, I like what I do and I just got a promotion. After the break, more on those greener pastures, what it means for the dining experience, and a restaurant worker's bill of rights. As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now. And we're back speaking with Free Press Dining critic Lindsey Green about an exodus from our local eateries as restaurant workers change careers. As she tells us, another one of those workers was Detroiter Lacey Jones. Lacey also has an interesting story. She also a server and she, again, found herself laid off and was trying to think of what she wanted to do. So for her, she wanted to find something that she was really passionate about. And so as she really thought about where her passions lied, um, she was pushed towards hairstyling. She thought about, you know, being a kid and one of her favorite things to do was play with her mom's hair. And that was a place that she felt really happy and also a place that that would lend her to make some money. But it also felt like it was a place where 
she would be sought after for her skill set. You know, she gave this example of working in the food industry. The diners might have a great experience with you, but ultimately what they're, what's resonating with them is the food on the plate. And that's not something that she contributed to. When it comes to the salon life, it, it's solely on you. You know, it's, you know, if the color turns out wrong, you clearly did something wrong with my formula. You know, the cut turns out bad you cut too much, you know, you don't have anyone else to blame but yourself at that point. With hair, you know, if they like, you know, how you do their hair, they're coming back to you specifically, regardless of what salon you're at, regardless of where you're doing it. So for her, there was that sense of, of, I think it was ownership, but also um, security. I think that's one thing that really sticks out to me. And it makes my job so much harder yeah but so much more worth it it's definitely more rewarding now i imagine there's some anxiety around making the choice to change careers and finding the different motivations that they have whether that be you know i have to support a family or whether that is you know i want to find my passion there's got to be that trigger that's going to be like okay i'm going to go ahead and make this leap and make this jump and so each each person has their own um trigger that that launches them into what they want to do i mean they all were i guess triggered by the pandemic is that correct that's what i was gonna say i mean i think the trigger was the same but i think you know the thought process led them to different spaces but their common experience is that they wouldn't have been able to be this reflective on their lives had the pandemic not happened, right? When you're in the restaurant industry, especially, you're just on go, 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 go. You're working late hours, you're you're working weird schedules. And so you don't really have the brain space to really think about, you know, next week. A lot of the concerns were similar. They needed job security. They wanted something that felt fulfilling. They didn't want it answered to other people in a lot of situations. They just wanted to know that in the event that this happens to me again, I will be okay. I will be able to land on my feet. I will be able to feed my family. I will be able to feel fulfilled. um, And I won't just be sitting on my couch laid off. (laughs) And that makes me think about um, when 2020 was occurring in that moment, they were talking about all of the, the layoffs and the unemployment rate. The idea that people had time to kind of think about, like, okay, well, now what do I want to do moving forward? Because I now have this time to think about it. And I think what we're seeing as part of the story is just kind of the results of that thought process in this particular industry and where they've ended up, which I think is, is interesting to see. So from an experiential standpoint, if I were to go to a restaurant, um, what would I see that is evidence of kind of the resignation and the struggles that these restaurants are going through? Well, I think in general, you know, you might see the hours are different. I think everyone has noticed that off the top. You know, there are restaurants now, many, many restaurants that are only open four days a week. Hours alone are, are likely a result of short staffs restaurants are maybe having challenges offering the service that they typically would want to offer uh, because they're just so strapped. You know, recently I was at a restaurant and I remember thinking there was only one or two waiters at the table, wondering where the water is and where the menu, where the service was, been thinking, oh, wait, I only see one person catering to everyone. Let me be quiet. Let me you know, hold my judgment. To be able to see it and say, oh, she, you know, give her a minute, you know, I think that it would be really helpful if diners would have that sort of empathy or that that insight to be able to say, 
I get it. You know, I mm-hmm. think sometimes we're still just waiting to be served on in, in the best way possible. So how has this great resignation impacted the industry itself? That's a really good question because it is about, you know, moving forward. What's important is to think about the future and what it means for employers. We know now what it means for the employees, but for employers, it's a really great opportunity for them to think about how to build a more sustainable food industry. And I talked to Chris White, who is at Rock United Michigan, and he talked about one of the initiatives that their organization is working on, and it's the Restaurant Workers' Bill of Rights. So in 2020, Rock United released the State of the Restaurant Workers Report. They looked at wages, they looked at gender and race and all of these factors that play into who makes up the restaurant workers industry, right? Um, And what came out was that 39.9, so almost 40% of tipped restaurant workers are in poverty. A lot of the workers are people of color or, you know, maybe not from um, high education levels or, um, you know, these are single parents. And so they require resources in order to take care of their families. Hmm. So Rock United is like a, a nonprofit group that's trying to pass this policy framework through lawmakers to help improve the situation. And it's, you know, they've done studies to really um, evaluate the challenges of of these food service workers. And a lot of it is what we just talked about, you know, single parents. We're, to, we're talking about long hours. We're talking about scheduling. We're talking about childcare. There are so many things that are contributing to the stress within um these communities of restaurant workers. And so something like the Restaurant Workers Bill of Rights is, you know, this actionable um, resource that can help cultivate healthier lifestyles and healthier environments in the food industry. You said before that we know the makeup of the industry, the demographics of the folks who, um, who are often struggling in these jobs. Do you have the demographics of the population that resigned? I want, I did want to look at that. I wasn't able to get the demographics of people who were leaving, you know, even specifically in the food industry. I think it might actually exist. I wasn't able to come across it in my reporting. Um, But we're also still in it. You know, I think a lot of this data is what's going to be coming. What might be the permanent changes that we'll see in the industry? I mean, the workers are just in a different mindset. And so restaurant owners are going to have to bend in a lot of ways. They're going to have to rethink their business model. Experts that I talked to for this piece really echoed that exact sentiment. It's that when you create healthier cultures, when you offer things like benefits and higher wages and flexible scheduling and childcare, ultimately your your employee retention is higher, but your customer retention is going to be higher and your customer satisfaction is going to be higher. Well, Lindsey Green, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Likewise. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Schumann are our executive producers. And Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks as always for listening. And if you like the show, please share it, like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, give us your feedback. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. And with that, 
We'll see you next week.